Your attention, please. please. Listening to the AMPM podcast may cause recurring revenue streams and unfair, unfair advantages over your competitors. Other side effects may include better wallets, fired bosses, and longer vacations. Listen at your own risk. Here's your host, seven-figure entrepreneur and online marketing madman, Manny Coates. Manny Coates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates and I will be your host and this is the show where we discuss all things Amazon private label and how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show. Get it? AM, PM podcast. As a matter of fact, we like to have a little bit of fun here and I just ate this sauce called Da Bomb. That's D-A, Da Bomb. The final answer. So that's a whole thing. Dub bomb, the final answer. And it's rated at 1.5 million Scoville units. That's how they rate the heat intensity of the pepper extracts. And it was crazy. I had to wait about 20 minutes before I could even record this intro because my whole mouth and my lips were just destroyed. So while I was causing internal damage to my system, to my body, I was making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. All right, so today, guys, I have some cool stuff. First of all, we're going to be talking about something serious that maybe a lot of you are in violation of. It could get your account suspended. It has to do with reviews and the emails you send out. And then I'm going to be talking about some personal questions that I get asked all the time. I never answer these types of things on a podcast because it doesn't seem like people ask that for the podcast, but when they meet me face to face, these things come up over and over. So let's get to the first thing, all right? And that is that Amazon is constantly updating their terms of service and one just came out in regards to the reviews. So I'm gonna read you what this says directly from Seller Central at Amazon and it says section number four, customer review request email. Okay, so now this is gonna be talking about the emails that we send out. For the most part, if you're selling on Amazon, you have some kind of email follow-up, use a service that's out there that sends out emails after someone purchases, right? And typically what we do when we do these things and the way I've taught it in the past and the way other people have taught it in the past is to send out multiple emails. Now, over time, that seems to have become less effective, right? The first email originally could be something like, hey, I hope you received the product okay. If there's any problems, definitely let me know. And then a second email can be for the ask, right? To ask for a product review. And then you can send out a third email later on, ask for seller feedback. That's kind of the process. A lot of people have now scaled that way back. They're like, that's just too much. And Amazon really doesn't like that either, right? Some people will send multiple emails out asking for that review. Here's where Amazon steps in because they don't like this. So they say, customer review request email. After an order is completed, Amazon automatically sends an email to buyers asking them to leave a review and provide feedback. Additionally, you are allowed to send one email per order to request a customer review. So there you go. I want to read that again. Additionally, you are allowed to send one email per order to request a customer review. So Amazon doesn't want you sending out multiple emails asking a customer for review. Now, in the way I described it earlier, I was sending out an email making sure that the customer got the product okay, so I wasn't asking for a review. So technically, I should be okay. TOS-wise, right? Terms of service, compliant, I'm good. But if you're one of those people that's sending out more than one email asking for a review, you really need to reconsider because you can get in trouble. So let me continue here. 
If you decide to ask a buyer to provide a customer review, you cannot ask only for a positive review, nor can you request reviews solely from buyers who have had positive experience. Okay, so that's important because a lot of people, they get a little bit sneaky about how to take people that are, I guess, fans of your product and that like your product and then asking those people for reviews versus those people that have problems and then diverting them to somewhere else, like seller feedback or to actually contact you directly. You've seen these templates, some software out there that do follow-ups actually had these built in. I think some of them still do. So people are potentially putting their accounts at risk. But if you send out an email that says, hey, if you like this product, definitely click here to leave me a review. Okay, you're not even asking for a positive review. You're just asking them to leave a review and people go, that's fine, right? Because I'm not asking for a positive review. But in that same email, you also say something like, if you have a problem with this product, please hit reply to this email and let me know. Amazon does not allow that, okay? You are segmenting that list. You're basically saying, hey, if you know, like this product, if everything looks okay, go ahead and leave me a review. And if you don't, don't leave me a review, right? You're asking them to go somewhere else. So Amazon really doesn't like that. So that's what they're saying here. They don't want you to do that. It continues here. It says, you cannot ask customers to change or remove their review, attempt to influence the review, or ask customers to send negative reviews to you directly and only write positive reviews on Amazon. Okay, so that's what we just talked about. If it's a negative review or they have a negative experience, they don't want you to ask that person to contact only you and not leave that as a review. So also the other thing is what is interesting here is it says you also cannot ask customers to change or remove the reviews. Now, I don't think we've recommended people contact a customer ever and ask them to remove a review. I think that's been against terms of service for a while. But what we have done in the past, and again, this is why it's important to listen to podcasts and get up-to-date training because the rules change all the time. We would say, hey, if you have a customer that's unhappy for whatever reason, the product arrived broken and they give you one review because they didn't even get a chance to use it. And you can go out and you can contact that customer and say, hey, I'm so sorry, I'm going to send you a new product. And you do that. And then you ask them to actually review the good product, right? The product that's not broken, that actually works and see if they can revise their review. Again, you're not asking for a positive review. That is okay. At least that is the way it's been taught. And that's kind of the thinking around it. But now Amazon is essentially saying, no, we don't want you contacting anybody and asking them to change their review. So I guess you're going to have to walk delicately around the topic and decide what risk you want to take if you're going to be actually contacting a customer with the hopes that they change the review, regardless of how you word that email, right? You still are trying to get them to change that review. And Amazon is now saying it's against terms of service. So there is risk there, guys. All right. So let's continue here. You must comply with these guidelines in all your communications with the customers, including shipping box inserts. For example, you may not offer any compensation for a review, including money or gift cards, free or discounted products, refunds or reimbursements, or any other future benefits. Please review Amazon customer review guidelines, and they give you a link here. We encourage you to monitor reviews regularly and reach out to customers to resolve product or service issues. Okay. However, you cannot ask customers to change or remove the review even after an issue is resolved. So there you go. Right there, they cover that. You can reach out to them. You can solve the problem. You can send them a new product, but you can't ask them to change or remove the review, which is kind of a pain, right? That sucks. Imagine you sell glass vases, right? Vases, whatever you want to call it. And you send it to them and it comes cracked and they give you a one-star review because it came damaged. And then you go out of your way to actually fix it, right? By sending them a brand new one, free of charge, of course. You know, you don't even ask them to return the other one. And then you're stuck with a one-star review because Amazon does not allow you to ask them to update their review. Not to update it to a positive review, but to even update 
their review. So that kind of sucks in a way there, guys. But those are the rules. Again, that's just section four here out of a big, long terms of service section. So definitely check those things out. This is going to be a very fast and short podcast if I leave it at just that. But it was important to let you guys know that these changes are there. And I see so many people posting on the Facebook groups or you hear it in training out there that people are paying good money for that is going to get you in trouble. You have to stay up to date with Amazon's rules, okay? You can try to be sneaky and you can push the limits, but if you just violate them directly, you're going to be running into problems. So with that said, I want to kind of move on since we've got a little bit of time. This is a short episode and I want to kind of get a little personal here because not too long ago I had a Helium 10 social, okay? And what that is, all the members of Helium 10 that at the time had a paid plan, right? They were a platinum or a diamond membership. We invited them all out to a social, okay? A social here in Southern California where everybody would get the network for about, I don't know, I think it was like five or six hours and we would cover everything. We rented the facility. We brought in all the bartenders, the booze, the food, you name it. It was all there. It was a, a perfect mix for to get out there, loosen up, and just have massive networking opportunities, talk to people. And it was awesome. So many people met new friends. They got golden nuggets all over the place because you're talking to other sellers. There was probably just over 200 people that showed up for this event here in SoCal. So that was really cool. But anyways, I talked to probably 50 attendees there individually. I tried to spend a few minutes with each person. So that didn't leave me a lot of time, right? Multiply 50 people times you know, four minutes, that's over three hours of chatting. But I probably talked to over a hundred people total when you count in all the small groups that, you know, I join and chat with. And a lot of the same types of questions would come up. These aren't questions that are asked. Nobody ever sends these things in or posts these things in our Facebook group, but they ask me when we're face to face. So I wrote down some of these because I might as well talk about it. I'm just going to throw it out there. Okay. Some of them are goofy. Maybe you're curious. If not, you can turn this thing off right now and go to the next podcast. But otherwise, here are some things. Just about every single person that I meet always says that I'm taller than they thought I would be. I don't know why, but for some reason, when they see me on video, they must think that I'm five foot nine or something like that. But no, guys, I'm taller than that. I'm six foot four. I'm a tall dude, right? One of the other questions that people ask is, where am I based out of? So currently, we are in Southern California. We're in the city of Irvine. Okay, that's where our headquarters is located. And we have satellite offices or branches throughout the world, but this is where all the main people are at. The next question that usually comes up is, well, how many people do you have working for you? People are curious of our size, our company size. And we have just over 60 people in and out of the office for Helium 10 and the podcast. That's support people, that's engineers, that's the marketing team, social media, everybody, right? That's what we have now. So that's a pretty good size. I think a lot of people, I don't know if they expect that we have more or less. I don't think they've ever said, but those are the numbers of where we're at and we are growing pretty fast right now. Next question comes up, are you going to be going to any upcoming events? So apparently people, you know, they're curious if, first of all, if I'm speaking at an event or if I'm just going to be there so that we can network and hook up again later on. So I can say that for the rest of this year, I'm pretty maxed out on my calendar and outside of some high-end mastermind type events like the War Room, that's pretty much it. I don't believe I'm going to be going to anything else. Of course, that changes from time to time, right? I could be November and something pops up. If it's for two or three days, maybe I jump out there and do it. I wasn't planning, for example, to go to the ManyChat conference. It was called Conversations 2018. I wasn't planning on that, and I ended up going there and met a few, few people that I knew 
from this industry. So it's pretty cool. They ask if I'm going to be going to China this year. A lot of people go to China. Usually it's two times of the year where a lot of people go out to, they either go to Iwu or Canton, go and meet their factories or go and source things. There's a lot of groups out there that bring people out to China and really teach you how to navigate all of that. And also the better ones actually have fun events that you do. So you actually enjoy your time out there. But to answer that question, no, I'm not going to be going to China this year. Too much came up at the very last minute for fourth quarter, specifically with Helium 10. We had new tools that came out. We had our new profits tool that was released. We have some major announcements coming for 2019 that we're working on. So it just didn't make sense for me to go out there, even though I knew it was going to be fun and it was going to be more about networking and hanging out with a lot of cool people, a lot of big sellers, a lot of big names, a lot of guys are going out there, a lot of gals that are just awesome, you know, friends of mine. I just couldn't make it. It didn't make sense business-wise to go out there for a couple of weeks for fun just didn't fit into the program. I am going to go out there again. I've committed to doing it in April. I want to do it a little differently than I did last time. Last time I went to Iwu, I want to go out to Canton and I want to do, you know, just check it out. And I might be going to a few other places in the world for a similar type program, right? To actually do some sourcing and things like that. People ask me, how many hours do you work per week? Well, let me see. I can say that I work more than Tim Ferriss does, I'm assuming, and probably less than Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Gary V is well-known for just hustling. And if you sleep more than four hours, you're lazy kind of a thing. You know, I don't know if he said that, but he's one of those guys that's just like for the net first seven or eight years, you should do nothing. You should just grind and grind and grind until you make it. Tim Ferriss, on the other hand, has got the four-hour work week, right? So yeah, I'm in between there. But even when I'm not working, guys, I tend to check in on whatever I'm doing. I'm checking in on Facebook. You guys see me constantly in our FBA high rollers group communicating. I respond directly to people as often as I can. I'm responding in the Helium 10 group. I'm posting articles and linking to blogs and I'm doing stuff nonstop, probably things I shouldn't do. I'm slowly outsourcing that to team members, but there's certain things that I have to take care of, right? If I'm if it's a conversation for me, then I've got to respond. But yeah, I'm definitely putting in some serious hours. And will I be doing this forever? Absolutely not. Of course not. No. You know, I've been doing it now pretty hardcore for the last few years and I like it. It's enjoyable. But at the same time, I really love to do other things and I want to put more time into doing those things. And that's actually one of the other questions that comes up, which is what do you like to do for fun? And I love to do a lot of things, man. I love playing the Oculus Rift. I nerd out with that kind of stuff. I love traveling. I like doing a lot of the things that everybody says, oh, I love traveling. I like doing all this kind of stuff, going to new restaurants every single week. That's great. But I would probably say my favorite thing ever is racing cars. Okay. I've been doing it for over 15 years. I've won a couple national championships. There's probably something that most of you guys don't know. I think it was two, two championships. And it's honestly the longest form of adrenaline that I can find, right? It's 25 to 30 minutes of nonstop, super focus and strategy, right? It's me against whoever's around me at that point, driving at the limits where if you mess up, there's risk of injury, right? It's crazy. There's 20 something turns at a track and you're going at maximum speeds. The limits of adhesion for your tires where if you drop two wheels off the track, boom, you can go off and bad things can happen. I've had plenty of friends roll their cars. And luckily, the organizations that we're in are very, very safe. We have roll cages and fire suppression systems and harnesses and all kinds of stuff that keep us pretty safe from everything. But yeah, I love that. The opposite of that is non-adrenaline, which is reading. You know, I read a ton of business stuff, but I don't read as much content or books for pleasure, the fun stuff, the things I like, pick up a novel and and just go at it. And I want to get more into that. I want to be able to do like I used to do, which is sit down for six hours straight and just read a book all the way through, you know, for fun and something that's not business related. That would be pretty cool. 
Okay, another question I was asked multiple times at the Helium 10 Social is, why do I give out so much free content? Because now it's crazy, right? Three years ago, when I got into this, it wasn't like that. There were a few people selling courses and there was some software out there. But now people are asking, why do you give out so much free content? I did this initially because I wanted to try to help as many people as possible. And this is going to be kind of lead into another question that people ask. But if I can help people get to that next level, whatever that level is, right? Maybe they're starting with $3,000 and they want to get to the point where they can quit their job. Then that feels super awesome to me. And if I can give out tons and tons of content and help them get there, then that's great, okay? Maybe that person can help me out in the future with something, right? One of the best feelings you can get when you're talking in a group, just spoke on stage and people come up to you afterward and say, man, you changed my life. A Facebook Live that you did was a turning point for me and it made me really rethink how I'm doing things. That kind of stuff is really cool. And you know, if we give out a lot of free content, and we do, I don't think there's anybody else right now that's giving out as much free content as we're doing right now. I think every week we're putting out a couple of podcasts. We put out a couple of blogs. We're putting out guides. We're doing two Ask Me Anythings, AMAs, every single week on how to improve your skill set with software and increase your business. We just got a ton of stuff that's going out every single week, more so than I think most people can handle. But that's what we want, right? We want to get all of that stuff out there. And we're going to be doing even more things, right? We want to do even more live things where we can meet up, kind of like the social that we did, a little bit different. We're going to be talking about that in the future. Somebody asks, why did you start the AMPM podcast? And I've answered this in the past, I think on the podcast. Originally, it was to hold me accountable to myself, okay? Because I wanted to document what I do and I wanted to make sure that I didn't just quit out of frustration, right? Let's say I just failed and I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm going to go back to doing mobile apps or whatever it is that I want to do. If I put it out there and I had a hundred people that were listening and then I just quit, you know, that would kind of suck. I did it for that reason. But later on, after talking to people again, I found out how helpful it was, right? And that became my new purpose. I wanted to actually put these things out to help people, right? And that's why I was very, very direct and straight on the podcast. Like I would tell people when I failed at something or when I didn't agree with other people and what they said. We used to have a thing on Periscope where when Periscope was a thing, we'd have wine Fridays where I would sit down with like a bottle of wine and, and, you know, just drink that over the next couple hours and just be open for Q&A, right? And just have people come in and ask me questions. And as I drank, my lips got looser and I would say things maybe I shouldn't have said. You know, I always speak my mind and and it worked out really well. And I think people respect the fact that I just tell it how it is, right? Anyways, that's, I guess my new purpose now is because I want to help people get to the next level. I mentioned that earlier, right, with the other question. And then I realized, you know, that I could not only help people out, but I could make a business out of doing it. I could make a living out of doing it, right? To do what I love. So that's really cool. That's why Helium 10 is like my main focus because it's a software suite that just helps everybody, right? For $97, you get such amazing value. I mean, you can't get that kind of value anywhere else. You just can't. You can find tools that are similarly priced, but they're usually not good. They're not trustworthy. They're, there's a lot of things I can go into. I don't, I don't want to badmouth other tools, but with Helium 10, you've got so many good tools in there that give you so much good data that allow you to really change the direction of your Amazon business in a positive way. And so that's really cool. I love the fact, for example, with Refund Genie, when someone's been selling for a year or two years and you know they're, they've been really on top of it in terms of going through all the reports and everything, 
And then we say, just run Refund Genie. It's part of your plan, 97 bucks, and it's just one of the 20 tools you have in there. Run it, and then they run that, and they come back, and they're like, oh my God, Manny, I just got back $12,000 from Amazon in terms of product that was lost or damaged in their warehouses, and I didn't even know I was owed that. So for $97 a month, they've gotten back enough to pay for that software for years and years and years for free, right? Anyways, I love those kinds of stories. Those are some of the more common questions that I get. Just thought I'd throw that out there. And if you guys have additional questions that you're curious about, you know, that you want to know about me, let me know. And I'll be more than happy to talk about them on a podcast. I'm pretty open about most things. I'm not a shy person. I don't, I don't think. Maybe I am. I'm not sure. But anyways, guys, that's it. Remember the terms of service for the review, one review email. Okay, stick to that and you should be fine. I don't think you need more than that anymore. People are starting to get kind of turned off. When I say people, I'm I'm talking about the buyers, customers out there. Everybody is sending them lots of emails. So it's not just you when they buy four or five things at one time on Amazon, which is what a lot of us do, right? You go in to buy some paper towels and then you end up, you know what? I need a flashlight and I need to get some shoelaces and I need this and whatever. And and you got four or five things. And then before you know it, boom, you're getting slammed by different sellers with two or three, four emails. It's a pain. So a lot of people are opting out now. They can do that, right? They can actually choose to not receive any more communication from Amazon or in terms of these follow-up emails. So that's starting to hurt the whole industry. So I think it's short-lived. I don't know how many more years, you know, you'll be able to send out emails. Maybe Amazon will change that. But they'll definitely start changing the rules just like they're doing now, right? Eventually, they might go to, you can do follow-up emails, but only to communicate with the customer to fix something that is wrong. They'll just say, you can't ask for a review. And that makes sense. Why ask for a review if Amazon is already sending out an email for a review? I expect that they're going to be changing that at some time in the near future. So, all right, guys, that is my time. I appreciate your time listening. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys coming out to the events and asking these questions and getting to know me better. And I look forward to meeting each and every one of you in person at some point. I'd love to try to do that. I know it's almost impossible with, you know, the 55,000 Amazon sellers that we have in our Facebook group. And by the way, check that out. If you're not a member of our Facebook group, head over to the FBA High Rollers group. You can also get there on Facebook by actually going to our podcast site. Go to ampmpodcast.com forward slash Facebook, and that will redirect you to our Facebook group. At the time, I believe we're almost 56,000 members. There's a lot of people like you, a lot of new people, a lot of advanced people. We have everybody from beginners all the way to nine-figure sellers in there that are just destroying it. They're crushing it, and everybody can help everybody. So that said, thank you again, and I'll talk to you next time. Keep on crushing it. If you like this episode, definitely check out episode number 179. That's where we discuss how to optimize your listing with Amazon product videos. Check it out. It's episode 179. You've been listening to the AMPM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider Insider tools, tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.